One day when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be ours. Oh. Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 150. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rankstraw. How are you doing, Kevin? Cold. Yep. Cold. Yep. Pretty cold. 27 degrees where I am right now. Ooh. And it just keeps... It got it got a few degrees warmer, and then it got cold again. Yeah, it warmed up for like one day, and then right back to like 18 degrees. It's crazy. Well, this Good week... Times. Yeah. Great. Great time. <laughs> This week on the show, we're going to be putting the final touches on 2014 with reviews of The Imitation Game, Big Eyes, and Selma. Of course, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Remember, you can send us your questions to podcast.filmpulse.net or leave us a comment on the site. We'd love to hear from you. Now, next week, I believe that we're going to bring back the What We've Been Watching segment because I had a couple people... Email me oh, about yeah. that and say, hey, are you going to start the, doing that again? So what the, hell, what the hell's going on? Well, we're going to bring it back. We'll bring it back. We're going to bring it back hard, too. Maybe, maybe what we'll do is do the reviews first, then do the what we've been watching. Oh, my God. We're going to switch, switch it, it up. Dude, pull the old switcheroo. Holy with shit. It. People aren't going to be able to handle it. All right. Let's, you want to just dive Dive head first. You want to want to do some just, imitation imitation game first. Let's just jump into it, man. Okay. All right. All right. This is directed by Morton Tildum. I have a synopsis here. During World War II, mathematician Alan Turing tries to crack the Enigma code with help from fellow mathematicians. This stars. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds. It sounds. That synopsis makes it out to be this, like a Disney movie, like a kid's Disney movie or something. He gets a gang of mathematicians yeah. together. A ragtag group. It's full of whimsy as they try to crack the Enigma code. So this stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Keira Knightley, Matthew Good, uh, Charles Dance is in there, Mark Strong, several others. <laughs> There's a couple other people in there. It's a good cast. It's a good cast. It is. All right. Uh, let's. Do you want to start it off, or do you want me to start it off? I want. You? I want you to start it off. Okay. I didn't like the imitation game very much. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Next up, big eyes. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay. First of all, it, I think other people have noticed this: the amount of biopics in Dude, the, these it's... December releases. By my count, eight biopics. That's what I mean. Like, I'm exhausted. Because most of them, the majority of them, all follow essentially the same formula. Yeah. They're all kind of presented in the same way. And, I, and I'll say that I don't think that any of them are bad, per mm-hmm. se. No. I didn't think the imitation game was bad. In fact, I thought that it was, again, like... I feel like it's a bro- <laughs> we're a broken record at this point. I was going to say, we can just... Can we just get audio from one of the other <laughs> yeah. and just cut over top of I it? I think I'm just going to pull... imitation game. <laughs> I'm just going to pull our game. review of uh, the theory of everything and just kind of superimpose it onto this because I, I have pretty much the exact same comments. I, it's, I think that it's an incredibly interesting story. I mean, 
it's it's crazy it's a crazy story that's that's what's so frustrating and ultimately what makes these movies so generic is they just they just rest on their laurels because they're like okay this story is just it's immensely interesting and it's captivating and it's engaging and it seems like they're just happy with that and they don't really add anything to it yeah but I'm, it's I get the same thing out of reading a Wikipedia article yep than I do watching these yeah and I just I wanted expansion expansion on almost every detail that they didn't bother expanding on in this movie like I wanted to know more about how the machine worked I wanted to know how he created it uh, uh, more technical details with that because you know I'm a computer guy I'm into technology and I was genuinely interested in the science behind how he created this thing and i felt like we just got the most you, basic yeah. all you get is a montage of him drawing pictures yeah like that, the didn't, most... that ex- didn't that explain it to you adam didn't you figure it out and he was drawing all those things and they put it up on the wall it was like spirographs that's what it's like, like. It's fucking that was clear cut dude yeah you know exactly what a turing machine does so I wanted more of the actual code breaking part of the I, movie. You have to admit the 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 technical aspects, you know, the math stuff, the code breaking stuff was handled much better than the theory of everything. Like, yeah, it was oh, dumbed down oh, and it was yeah, a little broad, absolutely. but it's not like <laughs> no one came well, in it, like. <laughs> <laughs> I I expected to hear rubbish about black holes, but this was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, the theory of everything, they <laughs> they barely even scratch the surface. At least this gives you some basic premise of about about what's what he's doing. Uh the the other thing was just I felt like a lot of details of his life were skimmed over. Well, the, one of the biggest things for me is they kept Cutting to Cumberbatch running. And I'm like... <laughs> I laughed. The, the last sequence uh, towards <laughs> the end of the movie, when they showed him, it made me laugh out loud. I did the exact same thing. And, it, like, the first time it happened, I'm kind of like, you know, what's with the, the running thing? Like, what's this all about? And then, you know, they cut away from it. And it's essentially just an excuse to use some voiceover. And then they cut to it again, and I'm like, why? why what's with all the running why so get home you look up alan turing read into him a little bit okay he used to run marathons okay that makes sense yeah but the way that it's we didn't know that it comes across in a movie this guy just fucking runs for no reason yeah and you're just like why do you keep showing me him running like what does this have to do with anything yeah i don't get it it's you know it's it's almost as if they they relied too much on hoping the audience has prior knowledge of yeah. Alan Turing before you go into it. Like, yeah, but I mean, you know, that's not even the... that's not <laughs> even basic knowledge, though. That's that's like a, a very specific detail. I knew Alan's Alan Turing's story before going into this, and I knew everything that happened to him near the end of his life and all of that. But you, you didn't I, know about the marathons? No, no I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Um, as far as the performances, I thought they were all solid. They were all good. No, no issues there. But yeah, again, I, and again, I was I was much happier that uh, Kira Knightley's character was a little a little more developed. 
mm-hmm. than the other movies of this ilk. Yeah. You know, but she yeah. she wasn't a fully like two dimensional character. I want to say like a one point five dimensional character. She had just a little bit of depth there. Yeah, I I thought she was fine. I I thought that her her character was she seemed fully developed to me mostly. I mean, it is mostly about Alan Turing anyway, and yeah. I felt like they got into her life enough that we could understand their relationship and all that. Uh, I guess it could could have been a little bit more detailed, but that, that that didn't bother me too much. The the whole Christopher thing, that I thought was too much. I was not into any of that stuff. The flashbacks. Yeah, that didn't. Not, not into any of that. Just felt... It felt like they expanded on things that they didn't have to and that and they didn't get into detail on certain things that I would have liked to them, for them to actually get into detail about. Yeah, and also it kind of feels odd that they expound in areas where I'm imagining they don't really know. Like, yeah. I have a feeling that they took a lot of creative license with this whole Christopher yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But in, in the areas where you actually have information, you know, true facts... They don't want to expound in those areas. They just kind of create their own like origin story almost with this Christopher character. Yeah, I didn't. It just seemed unnecessary. Didn't like any of the Christopher stuff. I also didn't like the the framing device of him being interrogated and telling his story. That that is so tired. I mean, uh, yeah. to me, that's just lazy. It's just it's because you, you just don't know how to you know bring across that information. So you just do it in the laziest way possible, which is voiceover. Tell, just do voiceover. Telling a story to to some cop. Yeah. Got to. Mm. Mm. Never seen that. Never seen that before. <laughs> uh, a lot of the dialogue too was, it just it was that type of Oscar <clears throat> bait type dialogue oh, where um, the, you know, the, it was, it was insp- everything insp- was <laughs> everything was spoken in sound bites. Yeah, and it's all those inspirational quotes. And they, and I mean, in this movie, they use it because, you know, Unbroken had its, if I can take it, I can make it or whatever the hell that quote was. And, you know, yeah. they say it like five or six times throughout the damn movie. And that's one of the things that always happens in these biopics. Like all the dialogue is just little snippets of inspirational quotes. Mm-hmm. And then this one had, I think, like three or four times where they're like, sometimes it is the people no one imagines anything of who do the things that no one can imagine. It's just like, okay, I got it first time. But then they just keep doing it. It's like, I get it. I get it. I'm pretty sure this is not how you guys talk. The other thing that I also wish they would have got into a little bit more was the whole, the one guy that they were working with that was working with the Soviets. I thought that that was really interesting, but if they touched on it very briefly at the beginning and they mentioned like, oh, somebody's leaking information. Who is it? And then you find out, and it's like, oh, it's this guy. And then they're like, okay, we knew. See ya. It's just... <laughs> Plus, I also, I really hated the the dialogue between that character and Cumberbatch at the engagement party. When he... When Cumberbatch just, like, looks over. Okay, so, number one, they paint Alan Turing as just, like, this unbelievably socially inept genius yeah. that just cannot interact with people at all. So, why in God's name is this... The, the time and the place that he chooses to out to bring himself. that up, yeah, and just and does it just you know just throws it out there. It just like stumbles out of his mouth. It's like I 
that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't that yeah. doesn't go in line with the character that right. you created here. Yeah. I just the, I thought that that was silly. And then of course, you know, people everyone has their secret now and they can use it as leverage. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Just seemed unnecessary. Uh I, you know, I've been saying a lot of negative things about this movie, but I thought it was pretty entertaining overall. I I was kind of surprised at how funny it was in the beginning. Yeah. It's a decent amount of comedy yeah. between Cumberbatch's character and uh what's his name? Dance. Matt? Is it uh, Dance? In the beginning when he was doing like his interview and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about Matthew Good cuz there's a lot of Yeah, there's some good banter. Dance a lot it. of good banter between the two of them. But uh, well, I just reminded of that scene too, where it comes down to the whole "you're fired" and then they step up. And yeah, it's like a, <laughs> I'm Spartacus. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> you're you're grown adults. You, I don't. That's not how it happens. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. Come it on. would be funny if they're just like, "All right, see ya. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here." <laughs> Uh, you don't think we can't find more people that can do crossword puzzles in six <laughs> minutes? <laughs> Get out. Oh, God. Uh, it's disappointing. Yeah, but... yeah. I was very disappointed with it as, as well. It's it's not it's not terrible. No. But it's just so unbelievably average. Yeah, it's it's pretty vanilla. It just it irritates you. And especially, you know, like I'm wondering if these came out with more of a gap between them because it, it it is exhausting we've oh. had like eight of these we've been reviewing these for like three months it feels like and i just don't have anything else to say about these movies yeah I've, there was a, an article that came out i think it was on IndieWire, and i apologize to the writer because i can't remember who wrote it but they were basic they basically wrote an article saying just that where there was this onslaught of movies that came out in December where people like us were just completely overwhelmed. I mean, there's so many movies. Eight mm-hmm. biopics in December. That's that's ridiculous. And I'm not even including... I'm not including the ones that came out earlier, like Get On Up or the Jimi Hendrix one or any of that. <laughs> I'm talking about just the ones that we talked about in the last yeah. few weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's ridiculous it's it's a bit too much and as someone who doesn't particularly like biopics it was really difficult to get through all of them oh my god yeah that's just my mind just wanders because essentially just in the first you know 15 minutes i'm just like oh, okay and then i tap out and it's just like oh yeah remind myself that when i get home to like actually just research all of this instead mm-hmm. and get a better picture Instead of this bland visual representation of a half-hearted Wikipedia article, I think with uh, this one specifically, there was another biopic about Alan Turing that came out very recently, but I can't remember the name of it. I think it was Enigma Code. I don't remember, but I know that it was pretty pretty recently that one came out. Yeah, so I don't know average and i i like the be you know they come into his house and he's delicately picking up the powdered cyanide which again sort of banking on people having prior knowledge and he's you know he's like don't breathe you must leave now this is powdered cyanide and he has you know like a scarf over his mouth and everything 
And then he immediately just puts it down, takes the scarf off, and they have an entire conversation. Yeah, right there with powder. the cyanide. <laughs> just sitting there. Just hanging out with the cyanide. Oh, God. And then there's the scene with the apples. Ugh. Yes. Ugh. All right. Let's go ahead and give this bad boy a score. I'm going to give the imitation game a... Oh, God. I don't even know now. I was going to... I'll say five and a half. I'm going to go with a five. I'll go with a five. There we go. Imitation game playing in theaters right now. Yay. I think it did get a wide release eventually. So it's it's probably playing in your area. Check it out. Let's move on to... You want to do big eyes? Oh, God, yeah. Sure. Want to do some big eyes? Yay. So this is directed by Tim Burton. Uh, synopsis says, A drama about the awakening of the painter Margaret Keane her phenomenal success in the 1950s and the subsequent legal difficulties she had with her husband who claimed credit for her works in the 1960s. This stars Amy Adams, Christoph Waltz, Kristen Ritter, Jason Schwartzman's in there, Danny Houston. Kevin, what did you think of Big Eyes? Uh, I didn't like it. First of well, all, it's a, it's a, it is a biopic too. So Yes, exactly. I <laughs> uh, didn't like it. So let's move on to Selma. <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, this this one was a little bit better i um, i like this. I, yeah i like the fact that burton was able to get like the look of this movie that's that was the sort of parallels her artwork where that, it's kind of it's garish and it's kitsch yeah that was the thing that that really uh turned this one around for me or, or saved it i guess for me was the look i thought that this this looked really great i mean i'm that- sickening sheen mm-hmm. the 50s american dream yeah everything's Ugh. everything's very bright and clear and colorful crisp it looks like heaven mm-hmm. which i like and and that's really within tim burton's wheelhouse i think mm-hmm. that that's that's some this is a subject that i think he's perfectly suited for this kind of tacky kitschy art which i which i'm a big fan of i love tacky 50s stuff so i was into this this is right up your alley the, the thing that really took me out was uh danny houston's yes voiceover as dick nolan the it was unnecessary yeah it, was, it, it didn't just, it didn't you didn't need it in there i didn't it didn't think. it didn't add anything it was extremely jarring because they didn't you burton didn't use it entirely it just you know popped up go, every now yeah. and then it just it threw you out of it it was just I, I don't understand the inclusion of that. Yeah. Because it really takes away. And then the other thing that I had a difficult time with was Christoph Waltz's character. Starts off, you know, everything seems okay. It's a pretty good performance. And then all of a sudden his character just takes this huge shift where he just becomes sort of like a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. He, he becomes very cartoonish. And it's just like that threw me out too because then everything just got ridiculous and over the top and it just took me out because i was with it for the most most of its runtime yeah same here i didn't necessarily like when she started really getting bothered by the lies and when she started seeing you see it in the trailer so it's not a big giveaway or anything but she starts seeing people with the big eyes and stuff yeah and that's very tim burton-esque but i didn't necessarily think that it it didn't really that didn't really work for me no, because it only pops up for a little bit. Yeah. And it, it almost kind of seems like 
this is Tim Burton light. Yeah. Like he was he was able just to get that little bit in. A lot of people were are comparing this to Ed Wood, and I think that that's a good comparison because when you look at Ed Wood and how he how he made Ed Wood l- look like it was of that era and you know of the time, that's sort of how he does it with this too. Yeah, I mean, I still it's... think Ed Ed Wood was far superior, but also when you look at Ed Wood, the a lot of the performances are kind of over the top and cartoony as well yeah but then again it is a movie about ed wood yeah so it kind of makes sense i wasn't bothered it seems kind of odd and the thing that really took me out of like where it all started was the confrontation between waltz and terrence stamp the the critic Mm -hmm. you know he picks up the fork the the fork yeah and everything that happened there is just like this is getting silly i love terrence stamp's character in this i thought he was fantastic do enjoy make some good Terrence Stamp. I thought he was really funny in this. <laughs> and and Jason Schwartzman too, how it was like they were monitoring the the rise of these paintings and the popularity and they're just like I can't believe it. But it is again, th- I think that this is a very interesting story because this was kind of the the birth of pop art in a way, right? Yeah. And, and, also, and mass-produced art. Yeah, which is... And it's it's kind of hard to explain this, but it's the first documented case where you have someone completely bullshitting what's behind the art. Yeah. Like the story behind it where he just sort of creates... He because creates it's not the- his, but he just... He makes up this story of, you know, traveling the world and, you know... The poor children. The poor children in these war-torn areas. And then, you know, comes up with this whole backstory to it and his inspiration. And, you know, that goes on to sell and piques people's interest. And it's all just completely fabricated, which happens a lot. But you can't, you can't really prove that people are just bullshitting things. Yeah. Which is a lot of what you see with modern art nowadays. It's just all bullshit. It's how you know. Can you can you sell it mm-hmm. instead of it just being art and people getting into it? And that was that they was kind of salesman. That was kind of the interesting thing about that about this movie is that he was a fantastic salesman. I mean he he did create this phenomenon of these big eyes paintings. And I don't know that if if Margaret didn't, if she did take credit for it from the beginning and he wasn't involved, she probably wouldn't become as big and successful as she did. So, in a way, I think that he, well, did, he did help with her Well, career. and I think that's what, why she sort of went along with it in the beginning. You know, because they're making money. You know, let's be honest, female artists aren't taken seriously. Especially in the 50s. Yeah. So, you know, and he, like you said, he's a great salesman. So people are enjoying the art. She gets to make it. She doesn't have to worry about selling it and all that stuff. But everything just kind of got out of control because Christoph Waltz, Walter Keene is crazy. It turns out. Yeah. Well, especially when you find out that he can't paint at all, even those landscape, those city things that he did and Paris or whatever. Oh my god, and those were so disgusting. <laughs> so ugly. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, I, will... I I didn't know that 
I knew <clears throat> I knew the story of the Keens before going into this, but I didn't know that he was a complete fraud. That yeah. was that was a surprise to me. And um I I it's I thought it was cool because they do give you clues before the big re- that big reveal happens yeah. where he doesn't know the difference between oil and acrylic and things like that. They they drop little hints that this guy has no fucking idea what he is doing. <laughs> Which you would think that he would just be in around paintings long enough that he would be able to pick up on the difference between oil and acrylic. Yeah. No. But apparently but, not. <laughs> but he doesn't. Oh man. But it, it, one of the other things that I found kind of I was you know kind of cloudy on here is the the daughter. Well, yeah, that was another thing like, that how I was does kind of she, she was pretty old when her mother was painting. I don't think that you would forget that your mother created all of those paintings. Well, and she did question it, but I guess she just trusted her mom not to lie to her. And so she was just like, okay, well, I guess. Because they did say that she probably thought that he was painting those just in her style. Like he adopted her style. That's true. That's probably what she thought because she was pretty young at the time. But then when she got older, like a teenager, then then she figured it out. Well, the other thing that they do is introduce Walter's daughter out of nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) Just out of nowhere. And then she's gone. Yeah, she just disappears too. I I kind of wanted to see a little bit more of that because that was really confusing to me. (laughs) The, what was happening there again it's a you know it's not a bad movie it's not terrible by any means but at the same time to me it's just it's just average it's so average i thought that uh one one thing danny elfman's score i thought was terrible in this i wasn't a big fan either no i just from the beginning before they before even the the credits come on at the beginning I was like, man, this this is a really... I'm not into this score at all. And I was thinking, I wonder if Danny Elfman did this. Because it didn't sound like a Danny Elfman score. And then the opening credits come on. And sure enough, Danny Elfman did the music. And I was like, oh, man, that's that's disappointing. <laughs> kind of bummed out. I like Danny Elfman's music for the most part. Yeah. But I was not I was not into the score. Of this bummed, movie. yeah. And see, normally I don't even notice scores in movies so that's how i knew it was really bothering me yeah it usually only goes like three ways you either notice it because it's fantastic Mm -hmm. and you want to point it out or you just don't notice it at all because it just kind of blends in right or you notice that it's bad right which is which means usually that it's really bad (laughs) because usually you just ignore it and you're like i don't really remember the score yeah but if if you remember one could say that that's a good thing though if you don't notice the score. Yeah. Because it just blends seamlessly into what's exactly. happening on screen. Yeah, either way, I didn't like the music in this. I was I was not a fan either. And that entire courtroom scene towards the end where he's, you know. That was pretty ridiculous. It's so <laughs> it's stupid. Pretty ridiculous. I didn't look into the what really happened, but the whole time I was watching it, I was just like, there's no way that that's how it went down. Yeah, it just everything gets over the top and silly. Yeah, just a bit, a bit too much for me. I was, I was fine with it. I, I found this. I 
didn't have a lot of issues with this movie, honestly. I thought it was it was fine. I thought yeah, that it was better than Tim Burton's last few movies, live action movies at least. Yeah, I'll I'll give him that. I would also, but again, this is one of those movies where there's not a lot of like really bright points to point out and discuss at length. I think the big thing for me is the visuals, just the look. I loved the house that they moved into. It just looks so ridiculous. That house was gorgeous. I I just everything about the visuals, um that was the strong thing for me. Just for me it's again, it's one of those movies where, you know, not bad. I didn't hate it. I didn't necessarily love it either. And it's one of those that if I never saw it, I wouldn't be missing anything. I wouldn't be bummed out that I didn't get to see big eyes. I agree. I agree. Just, you know, eh. All right. What, eh. are, you gonna, what are you going to score big eyes out of 10? No, oh, big eyes out of 10. Five and a half. Okay. I'm going to go six. Whew. Some, some tepid reviews. <laughs> oh, boy. Get excited about tepid reviews. Tepid reviews. All right, let's move on to our final review of the week. We're talking about Selma. This is directed by Ava DuVernay. Uh, synopsis says, A chronicle of Martin Luther King's campaign to secure equal voting rights via an epic march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama in 1965. The stars, mm. David Oyelowo. Got it. Just a little bit of a stutter there, but yeah, you weren't 100% confident, I think. I wasn't. But I you wasn't. did get it. You got yeah, it. Got it in the end. Carmen Ejogo. I don't know about that one. Common. I can pronounce that. <laughs> True. I uh, got Oprah Winfrey in there. Tom Wilkinson. Tim Roth. Uh, Giovanni Ravisi. Giovanni Ravisi. Andre Holland. Um, what's her name from Reno 911? Uh, Nisi Nash. Nisi Nash is in there. Wendell Pierce. Ton of people in this movie. Tons. Now, I was excited to see Selma. Heard oh. nothing but good things. Oh, boy. And I saw it, and I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I oh, thought boy. This, would, this probably would go on my top t- top 20, for sure. And it probably would break the top 10. I thought that the look, again, Bradford Young, just, yes. just killing it. Just killing it. He's just wrecking it constantly. This and and this is a biopic, mm. but the way that they presented it, I thought the whole time I was thinking to myself, "This is how you do a biopic." Because they, I mean, I guess I would consider it a biopic. Is that did you take it as a biopic, or were you looking at it as more of a, it, a historical? I think it was kind of a mix of both, and I thought that she did a really good job. Of kind of mixing the two, where it is about Martin Luther King, but at the same time, it's more about the Selma movement and just his involvement with it. And he didn't seem to, you know, he didn't seem to completely overtake what was going on See, in the, the film. To, you know, I thought me, it was a nice balance to it. And to me, this is how you do a biopic by taking a famous figure and putting them in a situation like Selma and you get to know the, this figure through this uh, one event. Yes. You know, I don't need to, I mean, to me, biopics are biopics are movies that 
are designed to inform you about who this person was and what their life was like. And through this movie, I got a sense of who Martin Luther King Jr. actually was behind the scenes, you know? Mm-hmm. And in that regard, I think this was a very, very well made. Well, that was another nice touch is they didn't, they didn't go down the route of, <clears throat> you know, making him a caricature where he's just a saint, the greatest, you know, that he, yeah, he's a saint. He's the greatest thing that's ever lived. You know, they actually portray him as a complex man and they actually, you know, they touch upon his adulteries, which I thought was a really great scene, mm-hmm. that confrontation with him and Coretta. And they, you know, they also show moments of him being, you know, scared, trepidatious, yeah. Yeah. apprehensive. You know, he's not just this resolute, I can do everything. You know what I mean? Where he's lifting up everyone and putting them on his shoulders. So I thought that, that was nice. Uh, the only thing, I thought it it kind of got a bit too broad. I mean, this is a minor quibble. I think that they just tried to tell from too many different angles. You know, they're trying to show LBJ mm-hmm. and his side of things. And then they're showing, you know, George Wallace's side of things. And then, you know, Oprah Winfrey's character going to register to vote yeah. and then this side character and then this side character over here. And so I thought it was a little bit broad, but again, it's not like a huge, huge quibble. Yeah, I didn't it's, I didn't have a problem with that at all. I thought that most of the separate side plots were very interesting just because it it took this one one event in Selma and went at it from different angles i liked to see i thought the lbj stuff was really interesting the the only one that i guess i don't necessarily think i needed was the there was one family that they kind of followed more than oh yeah the others Uh, and there was a big event that happened around that family so i can kind of understand why they followed that family a little bit but uh i I guess that was really the the cager lee Mm-hmm. the old man with this yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i thought it, yeah it's powerful it's definitely powerful now oh boy what did, what did you powerful. think of the visuals uh the visuals are fantastic one of there's a couple of sequences that i truly truly love and the, the thing that i like most about bradford young is the way that he just shoots people having a discussion just you know two people sitting side by side talking to each other and there's that one sequence where it's, you know, MLK and they're having a discussion. It's nighttime. There's just a little bit of light coming in between the two men. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it only really illuminates like the ear. And they switch from in the front, you know, sort of tilted up on them and then well, cuts yeah, to he, the back. And yeah. just, it, you know, it's a simple, simple scene. But they he just, the way that they light it and the way that they shoot it, it just, it bumps it up. I feel like they played a lot with... Uh, the idea of of power and dominance. Uh, a lot of times, like when they would show LBJ, it'd be from pointing pointing up, you know, on an upward angle. And then th- when they would cut to whoever he was talking to, it'd always be down, you know, point, yeah. pointing down yeah. on them. And they did that a lot in this. There was one scene, there was actually a few scenes that I wrote down because I just thought they were so awesome looking and I didn't want to forget them. Oh, uh, towards... I think it was maybe at the midway or maybe even in the final act, uh, there was an overhead shot in the church with the red pews 
Mm -hmm. I thought that that mm -hmm. looked amazing. There was a scene uh, that it was it was uh, the camera was moving through a bridge like over the top of the bridge. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say that that's when they do the second march. Yeah, and the, the music second comes march. on and it's, you got that the camera lifting up and then it you know catches yeah the the name of the bridge and then it comes through and tilts yeah, it goes, down. And yeah, it goes him. like through the girders. It looked oh, amazing. Yeah, the, the, the entire, the first march. The first march. Yep. That was my, <laughs> the next thing I was going to say. Oh boy. The, the very first march, how they did, they used slow motion with that. And just the way that it was, it was so powerful that with all the smoke. Oh my God. Just so powerful. And, um, there was another scene that happened where the, it, it was like the camera was fixed. Somebody was falling. And I, I don't know if I want to say who, but it was, they were getting attacked by police and the camera was fixed on her and followed her down as she fell. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? I know. Yep. That, that looked amazing too. And again, was very powerful. And I think that that was really, I mean, Bradford Young's cinematography in this, uh, it just reflected how, I keep saying the word powerful, but I can't <laughs> think of a synonym. It just it reflected how powerful everything about this movement was. And for that alone, I think that this movie was fantastic. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. Like I said, you just he's able to shoot those, those small moments. You know, they're just two people talking, you know, just having a discussion. But the way that he shoots it and he frames it and the way they light it, just, you know, just takes it to another level. And, I mean, this, like you said, this would have made it on my top 20 if we watched it in time. Definitely would have made it on there. And also, the performance from Oyelowo. Oh, boy. Killed it. My God. When he gives those speeches. Oh, that, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, there were times he gives maybe, what, four, four maybe four speeches in this movie. And... He I told, fucking I told, commands. I told my girlfriend when I was watching it, it, it felt like, I mean, there were several times where I got chills watching this. I mean, it was incredible. It was almost as if I was watching a an actual speech from Martin Luther King Jr. When, which, okay, now, number one is he commands the hell out of those scenes. Number two, he just, it feels like he believes in this speech so much like you kind of forget that he's acting and yeah. you're just thinking like he's just fully invested in what he's doing. Yeah. He's this movement and he's giving a speech and then you got to remind yourself like oh no this is just a movie. This is <laughs> this isn't real life. This isn't really happening. <laughs> it's a movie. It's just but also the writing of those speeches cuz like you said it sounds they sound like Dr. King's speeches. Now, they weren't allowed to use any of his speeches because all the rights for mm -hmm. King's speeches have been sold to Spielberg because he was going to make one, which, man, really fucking lucked out on that one. Yeah. Can you imagine seeing a biopic from yeah. Spielberg? Uh, yeah. But it also, I just, I find that interesting too, is like, could they not get them from Spielberg? Like, why does Spielberg have control of these? I don't know. And I just, how the fuck do you own people's words? I just don't get that. You know, Lee Lee Daniels was originally tapped to direct this too, and I think that would have been a mistake. Also, I mean, it would have been better than Spielberg, though. I mean, could you imagine? Probably, that? but Jesus I don't know. God, there would be a whole funeral procession. That would be like the last 
hour would just be everyone like, oh, Dr. King's going to die. Yeah. Like he did with Lincoln. Ugh. Yeah, I just keep thinking of Lincoln. Uh, he probably would have shown up in a flickering flame. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with his, you know, it would have been that, I have a dream. Yes, it would be. In a candlelight, and there would have been like a small child crying. It would just... <laughs> you know... You know that that's exactly what it would be. It would have been terrible. Oh, but my it, God. Uh, the, the other thing I want to get to is that I thought all the performances were good. Oh, they were all. I thought it's, they were all fantastic. Uh, the Common, I didn't understand that one. I don't know. Like, I, loved his, really I loved his Oshkosh Bagosh <laughs> <laughs> overalls. Like, did I miss something? But like, did he, did he add anything? I don't know. And I don't there was, know. like, certain sequences, too, where... I, I remember one, I think it was Andre Holland's character, Andrew Young, having a dis, you know, sort of getting into a conversation with the guy that was like, oh, I'm going to go home and get my guns and I'm going to go kill some of them. And they have a back and forth, you know, yeah. like uh, retaliation and everything. And they kept cutting to Common during that sequence. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Why do you keep showing me Common? He's not even doing anything. I don't really know. Yeah, I don't really know what his characters the point of his character was I, I, maybe i'm missing something but i don't really remember him doing anything or adding anything other than being just kind of a sidekick yeah a crony I don't know. which is and then with that being said that scene and then there's a couple other scenes andre holland's character soars you know kind of takes over a little bit and he kind of gets the spotlight for just like a flash there and man he commands the hell out of it too yeah yeah now i gotta have i have to ask because there's a lot of controversy with this movie with lbj well okay i I was gonna ask you about that because what i didn't read up on this uh before i didn't want to read about it before i saw the movie and i just didn't have time to read up on it what what is the deal what's the what is the controversy behind this uh people are upset because he's they see as though he's portrayed as like an enemy of the civil rights movement uh, instead of the huge ally that okay. he was. Um, well, first first of all, uh, I did read that Ava DuVernay came out and said, I don't know what the fucking big deal is, why you people are up in arms about this. Well, I think the the, the thing that uh, jump-started it was uh, an aide to LBJ came out, and he was like, "That that is not LBJ at all. That is not how it went. Well, okay. I didn't get the impression at all that he was against the civil rights movement. No, I think I didn't, he just had get... different priorities. That's the way I saw it. Because like you, I didn't read about it. I just knew that there was controversy about LBJ. Yeah, I, I didn't read about it because I, I just I wanted to see. And essentially going in, I thought, like, okay, are they going to paint him like George Wallace? Like is, this, like, is this how bad it is? But then you see it and you're just like, okay, well, just... You know, he, he was acting like a he president. Has, I mean, yeah, he, he was acting. He has different priorities. He's trying to compromise. He's trying to push things back and focus on other things. And you know, let's be honest, he's a white guy, so I'm pretty sure that civil rights movement wasn't high on his priority list. And but there was one thing: is when he's having the discussion with George Wallace, they just throw in him using the N word, okay, which I that, thought was kind of well, that was yeah, that was something. That I wasn't sure of because there are several times throughout the film that he says Negro. And I thought that during that that scene, I was like, wait a minute. Did he say 
Negro? Or did he say the, the other N-word? Because the way that his accent was, it was kind of hard to tell. So I'm wondering... Which just, you know, perked up my ears a little bit. Like, why all of a sudden is he using the N-word? It just seems kind of unnecessary. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that he did use it. I'm almost certain that he did. Cause almost, I, I'm going to say like 99%. I'm just wondering, because when I saw it, it seemed like... Well, that's why I was so confused. I'm like, the whole movie, you know, he's he's painted like an ally, but of course, you know, he just has a different way of doing things. I didn't think he was really painted as like a huge enemy or, you know, working against them. No, he didn't. He didn't seem racist. I mean... No, and that's what I mean. Like, you know, and then all of a sudden he's talking to George Wallace and he just throws it out there. And it's kind of like, this is like a throwaway. Like, why? Why use the N-word there? Like, all of a sudden... He's just painted as a racist. Well, maybe he was like, just trying to go, you know, talk to Wallace on his level. I guess. I don't know. I just yeah, thought I that thought, was kind of odd. Yeah, so did I. That's why after I saw it and heard it, uh, I thought, okay, well, maybe I mis- misheard that. And he said Negro because that's he has said that several times you know, previously. Yeah. It's, you know, and I, I don't know. I have no idea like what type of person he was, so I don't know if you know is it accurate, is it not accurate? Who knows? Either way, that I didn't. I didn't think he was really painted as like an enemy to the movement. I didn't think so. Was the racist, except for that one odd exchange. I think that people need to understand that when you're the president of the United States, there's no it. There's rarely black and white issues. You know, it's it's all shades of gray, and you need to a lot of times make compromises in order to you have to look at the larger picture constantly so you're always having to make sacrifices and compromises when it comes to certain issues and i think that the way it was portrayed in the movie seemed it seemed on point to me well and i mean again you have creative license you know is every single movie historically accurate i mean was lincoln historically accurate like i mean you can point to any single film none of them are historically accurate well not a hundred percent no no and that's what i mean like why with this one are we up in arms yeah i i didn't get it because i knew about the controversy (laughs) going into it and after the movie was over i was like i don't get it what's what's the big fucking deal here (laughs) what's the big fucking deal here people (laughs) That's the only thing is just that him just nonchalantly throwing that N word out. I also noticed that every single person, not just Martin Luther King Jr. uh, pronounced the H in when they would say like, which one, (laughs) which person, every person did that. Every actor in this movie. Well, because they're all British. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Fucking British. I guess that is what it is. Because what? Tim Roth, British. Wilkinson, British. Mm-hmm. O'Yellow, British. Sure, Carmen is, too. Rubisi's not. Rubisi's not. But I don't remember him. I don't Carmen remember is, him too. <laughs> Carmen's English. Yeah, I don't They're remember. They're all English. Him. Is Oprah Winfrey? Is she English now? <laughs> Can we verify that? <laughs> I think she might is be English. Is she English now? <laughs> oh, God. Andre Holland? Is he English? What is he? It doesn't say I don't know. I don't know either. I just thought it was odd. They all pronounce the H. 
Yeah, I just, I just always, it seems like that's all that happens now. It's, you know, you get these movies about American moments, and they're all played by like Australians or Englishmen. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with it. I yeah, thought that. Yeah, I'm fine with it too. I, I thought that the Tom Wilkinson did a great LBJ. I I don't know like what LBJ is as a person, like how he talks or anything. So sure. Well, I've I've seen clips and stuff, and he certainly looked like him too. I have not seen clips. Which go on YouTube. You're you're in from ex- for some excitement. Oh yeah. Rip roar and LBJ clips. Can't wait. Looking forward to that. Anyway, anyway. I, I this movie is amazing. I think I'm gonna say it's amazing. Are you gonna go that far? Yeah, I think so. Oh I mean, look, looking back at last year, twenty uh, as in 2013, Twelve Years a Slave was one of my top movies, and I liked this more. I thought that this was better. I can see that. I just think that I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's more modern, or or maybe because it's so relevant. It feels so relevant to what's happening in our society now. Which was that that to me was kind of crazy how the events of this movie seem to very closely parallel a lot of the stuff that's happening now. I know it's sad. Which and it's just all it's very. It also just hurts so much to realize you know like when they're talking it's like this was you know 50 60 years ago like that it was <laughs> you know yeah it's not like this was hundreds and hundreds of years. this just happened like, this is fresh yep and look where we're at now oh man well we're further along we're further along but mm. we're, we're not quite there no <laughs> we're we're way off way off <laughs> well i thought that it was interesting because a lot of this is about voting rights and you look at what's happening now in the south and we there's still <laughs> issues with we voting still... rights to my with, with minorities it's oh man it's crazy they're just it's you know back back during this time they were coming up with very tricky ways to to not allow them to vote and now it's like they're they're coming up with more technical ways like you need to have specific forms of id and they're just making it just as difficult yeah they never run out of ideas it seems like nope it's maddening maddening all right any final thoughts on selma uh bradford young yep i'm just gonna say that every bradford young movie yeah or at least until he disappoints me. Not sure that's going to happen. I hope not. He's been on a tear lately, that's for sure. He's been I have a feeling he's he's like his career just got very busy. Very very busy after this year. What do you think about awards prospects for this movie? Oh, it's going to get everything. I think that yeah, it's going to get everything. I think sure. it's a huge huge contender for everything. They did announce the the BAFTAs this uh, this week, and this was not nominated. I think not nominated for the BAFTAs. No, I think that maybe it didn't. I was gonna say, is that yeah, is that a release thing or? I think it has to be. There's there's no way that it wouldn't get nominated for for anything. You know, I'm pretty sure that it would get it nominated for at least something. Yeah, I would hope so. I think that this has. Some very well, I mean, serious best picture potential. 
Well, yeah. And Yellow. Oh, he's got to get a nod. Come on now. And he, you know, he was great in a most violent year too. He was. He, was, he had a smaller role in that, but he was still really good. So I, th- I think I'm super excited to, to see what he has coming you are, up next. You are over the fucking moon, it sounds like. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and find out. Uh, I'm going to give Selma a... I'll give it an eight and... Oh, man. I don't know. I hate scoring. <laughs> I'll, give it, I'll give it an eight and a half out of ten. Eight and a half out of ten? Hmm. I think I'm... I'm yeah. I'm going to agree with you. Eight and a half. Yeah, I, I might even. Yeah, I might it, bump it up to a nine. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm. Because let, let me be questioning it. Let me be completely honest. It hasn't sat with me long enough. You know, that's yeah. just kind of like I'm just throwing a number out there. It sounds about right, but that could change. Give me a couple more days to think about it, digest it, see how long it sticks with me. How you know how long you keep coming back to it. You know what? So that plays into it. I'm gonna I'm gonna change my score and say you, nine. Oh my god! I'm doing it. I'm sticking with a nine. Well, now you make me look like a dick with an eight and a half. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Well, you sit with it. Just just sit. I'm with gonna it. sit let, with it. We'll, let we'll, let it stew for a couple days. We'll come back. To and then come back and see see if uh, it's an eight and a half or a nine. All right. I, I think we can do that. Selma is, I believe, playing now in. I think it got a wide release this weekend. So, yes, it did. Yeah, so check check it out. Absolutely one of the best of 2014, and if you count it for 2015, probably one of the best of 2015. More than likely. Yeah. All right, let's go over some predictions. Now, last week we did our uh, top top movies of the year, worst movies of the year, all that stuff, so we didn't actually do any predictions. Mm. Uh, the previous week we did predict a most violent year. You said 88, I said 86, actual 89. Yeah, and Woman in Black Two. You said forty-two. I said forty-six. Actual twenty-three. Oh boy. Yeah, I never saw the first one, so Mm. not too interested in the sequel. Next week we have Black Hat. Oh, getting black hatted. You were interested in this one, weren't you? I was a little bit. Yeah. Are you still? Mm -hmm. I yeah, I think so. I might check it out, although I have a serious problem with. Michael Mann's visuals. Since mm. he moved over to that digital, to digital, I have a big problem with it. And it, and watching the trailers for this movie, it looks pretty much the same. Yeah, I, I don't know what he does, but do you know what I'm talking about? I, when, I know when, what you're talking when about. When you see his I movies, they look different. I don't know if it's the, a higher frame rate or what it is. I'm not sure what it is either. They look awful. Look, they look... They look awful, and they look—they almost have like a like a student film quality. Yeah, to them. they just look cheap to me. It looks like a soap opera, and they just—they feel so much like a like a movie, but in a bad way. Like you can tell, yeah, that we're play acting here, <laughs> yeah, instead of just immersing me in the world. I'll I'll probably be checking out Black Hat. So we'll Black Hat. Yeah, we'll see. What are you thinking on this one? Black Hat. I'm gonna say seventy one. Also, how realistic is Chris Hemsworth as a super hacker? Don't think so. What? Don't don't think that'd be a real <laughs> real life <laughs> scenario. <laughs> oh, and then you get those machine guns in there. 
I'll say 62 on that one. And we have Paddington. Paddington. Yeah. yeah. I... Yeah, yeah. Nah, not for me. Not for me. I don't typically I've like never... these uh, CG live-action hybrid movies. Yeah. Plus, I... I don't really know anything about Paddington. I know a little bit. A little bit. I just know he's a bear with a hat. Yeah. And galoshes. Oh, he's got galoshes? Yeah. Oh, I think cool. so. Like a bear with a, with galoshes. I think he has galoshes. Maybe not. If he doesn't have galoshes, I'm gonna be really pissed off at him. I will say that the animation looks quite good. It does the bear animation? I'll say <laughs> 72 on that one. The bear animation. The bear animation. <laughs> the bearimation. Yes, from henceforth it would be called bearimation. Have you seen the trailer for The Little Prince? No. Oh. I've seen the trailer for Paddington. You should check out the trailer for The Little Prince, because I think I, you're going to like yeah, that one. I saw, like, stills, and they look amazing. Yeah, it's it's CG, but it's also stop motion. Fantastic. It's a mix. Count me in. Paddington, I'm going to give a 80, 82. All right. I think people are going to like it. I think, yeah, I think so, too. looks like actually. it's a good, it's just one of those good family films. Yeah, it looks like it looks like they took the Chipmunks Smurfs formula, but did it right. <laughs> didn't make it at all obnoxious. Yeah, it, it doesn't look as obnoxious. That's true. and it, it, you know you said you said there's galoshes on this bear, so I think there is that that bumps it up. If there's not galoshes on the bear, then I'm gonna say like a seventy six. Okay, so I have two scores. All right. One galoshes and one sans galoshes. I doubt that I'm going to see Paddington, so I'm not going to be able to confirm the galoshes. Well, I hope someone else does for us. <laughs> Just leave us a note or I'll, I'll rewatch the trailer and something. Probably be able to tell from the trailer. I'm going to ask Google real quick. Just type in Paddington Bear. Paddington Bear. Galoshes. Oh, hey, it's in the Google search. It looks like he, yeah, looks like he has, uh, He's got some galoshes. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures now. So that's a that's a solid 82. Nice. Nice. All right. We also have The Wedding Ringer. Oh. Kevin Hart and Josh mm. Gad. Mm. No. Nah, I'm not no. I'm not feeling this one either. What are you thinking? I'm thinking like a 42. 42. All right. I'll say 45. <laughs> that's heartfelt. Yeah. You really believed in that. I like I like the people in that movie, but it just doesn't look that funny to me. No, it looks ridiculous. It's stupid. And I yeah. feel as though that movie exists already. So do I, yeah. Alright, in limited release we have Spare Parts, Still Alice, Appropriate Behavior. You're gonna be working on a review for that, right? <laughs> Maybe. I saw it. It's funny. Okay. I liked it a lot actually. Well I like it. Um, I don't know because you didn't like Obvious Child and this, yeah. I, I saw similarities with the two of those. Okay. We'll but see. It's still very funny and enjoyable and I, I laughed a lot. So uh, it was good. Uh, we also have Little Accidents, Loitering with Intent, The Phoenix Project, Still Life, Three Night Stand, which I saw at last year's Slam Dance. It's finally huh? coming out. And Vice. Vice? Uh, with uh, Bruce Willis, I think. Ooh. 
next week mm. on Video On Demand, we have... Where am I at? Still Life. That comes out on Tuesday. We have Match, Appropriate Behavior, Three Night Stand, Little Accidents, The Phoenix Project, and Vice. Basically, wow. everything, everything, you just said. everything I already said. Fantastic. Yep. That's, that's pretty much it. And oh, DVD right. and Blu-ray. Next week, we, we have we Jezebel. Okay. Don't recommend. A Walk Among the Tombstones, which I did actually see. Do you recommend it? No, not really. It's... Okay. um. You know, it's your typical Liam Neeson action movie. I thought it was kind of interesting. It was more... It was darker than a lot of his action movies. Okay. More violent. It's sort of... uh, He plays a detective looking for these people that are kidnapping and dismembering women. Lord. Yeah, so it's pretty dark. But it's it's okay. There's a lot of really weird uh, editing techniques they use. Like, they use... um, like still still images you know back in back in the 70s when with some movies they would do freeze frames Mm -hmm. they do they use that in this movie which was really jarring (laughs) they only do it towards the end and it was just it was very weird let's throw in some freeze frames yeah it was really weird because you don't see that anymore in movies that's that's a technique that they just don't really use anymore and it was very odd so there's there's a lot of weird shit in this movie. Very violent too. Uh, Wetlands comes out finally. Gotta say, whoever came up with the cover for this is it's a terrible cover. They photoshopped her mouth, so the mouth on the Blu-ray cover is not even her mouth. Like the bottom what? part of her mouth is completely photoshopped. Why? Because in the original poster, she has her fingers between her lips. On either side, as if, you know. Yeah. I guess they just, and her tongue was sticking out. So I guess they thought that the cover was a bit too provocative. Uh, So they photoshopped it to make it look like her mouth is closed. And it looks awful. It doesn't even look like a human mouth. (laughs) It just looks terrible. Uh, they, They really fucked that up. They always do. We also have Gone Girl. Jimmy all, Jimmy, all is by my side. Kind of forgot about Gone Girl, actually. I did, too, yeah. I mean, it was a good movie, but yeah, just kind of... It's forgettable, let's be honest. Yeah, like, I wasn't even... When I was compiling my top 20, I wasn't even considering Gone Girl. Yeah, I pretty much forgot everything about that movie. Yeah. Men, Women, and Children. I Love heard is... <laughs> good things about that one. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Love is Strange. Uh, Revenge of the Green Dragon, which I was initially interested in, but it got really, really terrible reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Lau, Martin Scorsese, but apparently it's not good. Mm. I'll that's be the judge. I'm going to check. I'm going to check it out. The Two Faces of January. That's the Vigo Mortensen one. All right. And Young Ones, the Jake Paltrow one. I want to okay. see that. I'm sure you do. Okay. I don't know what I meant by that, but <laughs> any criterions? Uh, we have one. Criterions back to putting out DVDs. So we got uh, the bitter tears of Petra von Kant from Mr. Rainer Werner Fassbinder. Supposed to be supposed to be his uh, one of his masterpieces. Haven't seen this one yet, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. Just nothing but good things. 
There you go. Check that so, out. It's on DVD, not Blu-ray. Blu-ray, DVD, both, okay. both of them. Okay, just making sure. Uh, next week on the show, haven't decided what what we're gonna do yet. Um, maybe, I mean, are you gonna see Black Hat? I don't know. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> I, can't, I can't promise anything. Eh, well, maybe we'll we'll definitely do appropriate behavior because you're gonna see that. So okay. we'll review that one. And then uh, maybe one or two others, and we'll bring back the what we've been watching segment as well. I I have a feeling that we're gonna bring back the what we've been watching, and you know the entire time that we didn't have it is I was seeing movies just nonstop. I know I saw your letterbox list, just tons of movies, just tons. And now we're gonna bring it back and watch me have like no time to watch movies, and I'll have like one to discuss. Well, that's okay. We'll we'll still review as many as we can so all right well that should wrap it up for the week send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net we'll be sure to answer them on the show follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin and be sure to rate us on itunes we appreciate that very much for kevin rakestraw my name is adam patterson and we'll see you on thursday for ryan watches movie